Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A Norwich fan, and quite a young Norwich fan, tweeted David and said, come on, mate, when are you going to resign? And he quote tweeted it and put, right now. And, and that was it. I think everyone thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. Welcome back to It's Always Us with me, James Regal, and... Me, Jamie McDonald. How are you doing this evening, James? You all right, mate? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. Nice to see you again. Nice to, to have you fully back. Uh, as yeah. listeners will know, in, in this episode, we've got you on the main pod again. Yeah, at last. You tried to keep me down and in my the, the hidden intro section, but now I'm back. Answering the hard questions and keeping you in check. That was the important thing. Yeah, and all the Jamie fans, of course, having definitely not tuned in the last couple of episodes, they'll be back in their droves. The 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 what would you call your fan? The Jamie the Jamie The Jamie It's Jamie-axe? just my mum, James. It's just my mum. All right. Okay. So thank <laughs> mum. You can listen again now because I'm in it this time. Hey, Jamie's mum. Isn't he so good? Isn't he doing really well? So before we get into this episode, of course, we want to thank our sponsors again, Natural Barber Company. A company that does amazing hair products that look great and are fantastic for you you and your skin and for the environment uh, with no chemicals or or, or any nasties in them. Uh, They're even vegan friendly. And most importantly, they make your hair look pretty damn good. I've actually got a bit of it on myself right now, Jamie. I was going to say, it's looking uh, looking pretty, pretty swizz. I don't know if that's a word, but you know, it's looking good. That, that's a word people use when they're being uh, completely truthful about what they're saying. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, look swizzing. Yeah, very sincere use of adjectives. But I do look swizz, mm. and it is thanks to Natural Barber Company. Um, amazing products, really, really nice company that is, is there, to, there to make you look good, but also to do, to do good for the planet and be sustainable. And uh, we're all about that. Um, Absolutely. And of course, they have well possibly the greatest brand ambassador in football uh, gareth bale uh yeah he's suddenly become even more of a champion in recent weeks james right yeah exactly i wouldn't know why i think i'm more Mm. excited about gareth bale than anything else in my life but before we get on to that (laughs) uh speaking of speaking of great deals uh gareth bale coming to tottenham uh natural barber company uh have a great deal for you guys um so you can get 25 percent off uh, your order uh, plus free next day UK delivery. So honestly, if 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 you're running out of hair product or you, you just can't, the ones you're using you're not happy with, try these guys out. They're brilliant. Uh, just go to naturalbarber.co uh, and then put the code always us twenty five in at checkout, and uh, you get a little discount. Uh, thanks to them and thanks to us. There you go, Jamie. So yes, James. Any, uh, who's on? The, who's on? Wait, wait, hold on. We're speaking at the same time again. Is he? We're out. We're out of sync. We've not been doing it for so long that we're out of sync. You're you right. go, and I'll answer. Okay. This is this is top broadcasting. Mm. Um, yes. Well, we got Norwich this week, Jamie. We do. The Canaries themselves. The Canaries from Carrow Road. Mm-hmm. Um, often a team that, and we kind of get to this a bit in the show. A sort of team that perhaps they don't make great waves. Like you don't really hate them. You don't really admire them. They're just sort of, they have the impression. Yeah, they have the impression. And that's not to take anything away from them at all. Mm. But, you know, and and, and the guys that we got on the show, they kind of say that themselves. And they're quite happy with that. Um, Saying that, uh, the last couple of years, certainly from my point of view, Spurs have come unstuck against Norwich and sort of annoying draws they knocked us out of the FA Cup last year on penalties um so you know my my feelings for Norwich have gone from sort of generally ambivalent to actually not liking them very much anymore Mm. see I've always been a great fan of Norwich 
Because, uh, you know, I mean, Jack Wilshire scored a really great goal, which does come up in the show, um, against them, which is sort of, you know, was very goal of the season. So we always seem to, uh, to play Norwich off the park more often than not, um, you know, which is, which is great for me. So I don't, I don't mind a little bit of Norwich. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're nothing yeah, well, if not uh, balanced. <laughs> well, we found um, in, we found in, in 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 this episode that you know that I think that mindset was very much with 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 the guests in terms of sort of generally be okay with things. It was they they, mm. I mean, they they come with a lot of sort of feeling passionately hard done by. But um, what we got was a, a series of pretty amusing kind of anecdotes around sort of random things that have happened to the club, which perhaps individually don't feel typical, but as mm. when you group together, you do get the impression of Norwich of just sort of silly things happening. Yeah, absolutely. It's more, more of a collection of uh, whoopsies than sort of, you know, general, you know, decimation of a football club. Yeah. You but know? it's nice. It's nice to have some lighthearted stuff. Uh, once absolutely. We've actually got, uh, coming very soon, a, a club in, uh, in the works as a guest that's going to be a very, very serious uh, story of things that have happened to their club, which I, Ooh, okay. I, hope we find, I hope we find a way to make it kind of irreverent and lighthearted as we always do, but it could be tough. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's, that's for a future episode, Jamie. We're going to concentrate yeah. on Norwich. Uh, a really fun, lighthearted episode with uh, a couple of great guests, uh, Neil, stand-up comedian, uh, and Jack, who runs uh, the Talk Norwich City podcast. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's get into the show. So welcome Jack and Neil to It's Always Us. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's, you know what? It's nice. It's nice to talk to people because I'm working from home and everything at the moment. So sometimes I, I get to the end of the day and I've forgotten how to speak. So if, if I do... Uh, <laughs> miss some of my words on this. Apologies, but no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on. What sort of job is it you do when you, you don't speak to anyone? Well, this is probably poor form. I work for um, I work for the Racing Post, um, but it's just it's not um, you know you're not being in an office. So look, we chat over Google Hangouts and everything, but you know sometimes you'll you'll get into a meeting and uh, and and your words maybe. <laughs> aren't coming out the way you want it's just really strange times aren't they? they they feel isolating so i think you know listening to podcasts and and speaking to people really important yeah and and neil of course uh, being a comedian uh you know you're you're used to i guess standing up and talking to a lot of people um which isn't yeah. happening so much these days either is it unfortunately <laughs> no not to a huge huge amount no um and then when it does happen, everyone's got masks on and it's all a bit strange. I watched, um, I watched some of your clips before we, uh, on YouTube. I don't know how old they were, but I, I was pissing myself. So I don't, how would you describe your, your style of comedy? Uh, awkward nerds who's pedantic. That's normally <laughs> what people say. Nice. And, uh, and Jack, so I'll just go back to you. So obviously you're, uh, you eventually work for the Racing Post, but you also uh, run one of the big Norwich podcasts as well. Talking Norwich, correct? Yeah, so yeah, Talk Norwich City. Um, yeah, we're, I think we're the biggest um, Norwich City sort of podcast and YouTube channel. Um, and over the course of, you know, the last few years, we've been really lucky to interview, um, you know, lots of the players and, and, and some of the top brass at Norwich. So it's been a really topsy-turvy kind of um, five or so or decade for Norwich City, really, um, which which is meant for some, you know, in terms of creating content, it's always very easy because, there's always something to talk about. So it's been good fun. Um, and I'm sure over the course of this, this next hour or so, we'll, we'll get into some of their moments because it's, uh, it's never boring being an Orange fan, put it that way. Yeah, it's a funny one. Like, so you obviously got relegated last season. And I remember you guys sort of started off to a bit of a flyer with some pretty good performances. Everyone was putting uh, Timu Puki in their fantasy football team. Um, his name's gone clean out of my head. The guy that you've got, the, the left winger with the floppy hair. What's he called? Todd Cantwell. Cantwell, that's it, yeah. Todd Cantwell was looking good. Um, what happened? Um, look, I think, I think the, the, the style of football in which we played in the championship that was so successful, we then tried to replicate in the Premier League without spending money. So our, our, our biggest signing was Sam Byram, who cost us £750,000. So if you're trying to compete in the Premier League 
with essentially a championship squad, it's it's going to be really tough. And and there are occasions where that works. I mean, you look at Sheffield United, um, they you know they did spend significantly more money than us, but still a fairly limited budget, and 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 that worked for them. Um, but you can even see this season that's starting to fall apart. So Norwich came up. Had a good start, confidence w- w- was building, um, but we were just so open um, defensively. We were all over the place. We shipped a lot of goals um, during that campaign, and unfortunately, I, I don't think the um, the kind of lockdown and then project restart helped us. I think smaller teams rely on fans more, um, and we just went on a on a really turgid run towards the end of the season when um, you know we, we arguably could have gone. Done, done better but the plan was always um you know Stuart Webber was never going to spend too much money the plan was always long-term sustainability for Norwich City rather than you know throwing everything at, at the um at the team and at the squad that we have done in previous campaigns and, and risking the future of the club and to be honest in in the current um you know, way of the world at the moment where money's tight in, in football and in general that that plan probably looks quite wise now yeah, and you're starting to look at the season already. I, um, my, as a Tottenham fan, my overriding memory of Norwich last season was you made Eric Dyer punch a fan. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, it, it had some impact. Um, Neil, uh, so yeah, on to this season. How are you looking? I, I, I've, I've, I've taken interest in Norwich because you've got Oliver Skip come in, who's a very talented young player. Um, but how are things looking so far? How have you found it first few games? Well, well, the last few games haven't been great, but it's, it's strange because on paper, we've probably got the strongest team we've had in the last three years. Um, so we've actually we got relegated but strengthened almost. But then the last few performances haven't been that great. And we're now like mid-table, well, bottom end of mid-table. But then I don't think championship, it's really hard to say anything before Christmas. No one, anyone can beat anyone in the championship. It really doesn't mean anything until after Christmas, I don't think. So I'm not writing the season off, but it's not the best start. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a mad league. I've I've always maintained I would like if you could guarantee me we'd go back up to sort of where we are now. I'd love <laughs> Here we a go season. the good stuff. I'd Get love Spurs a season relegated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jamie's an Arsenal fan. Our listeners will know that. You guys might not. Um, so yeah, you're here to basically stop us fighting each other. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, any any thoughts on Norwich? What's what? what well, it's Norwich? it's curious that uh, that Jack was saying there about the the owners sort of uh, was is the owner Web, Webster was it? Uh, Weber, yeah, he's Weber, so he's yeah. like our sporting director. So we, we've gone quite modern with our approach. Instead of mm. sort of having a CEO, our, our top man is kind of you know heading up football operations as well. Well, I think it's interesting because Norwich have been sort of kind of a, a yo-yo team. Over the last ten years, would you say that's that's fair? So, it's interesting that they're still going for, you know, not spending too much money. Whereas you look at somebody like Wolves, where they spent a shed load of money and they've now got themselves, you know, staying in the prem for for a few years. So, I just wonder how you guys felt. Maybe do you think he's going to change his tune, or do you think there's going to be some more investment, hopefully, to keep yourselves in the Premier League the next time you're sort of up and around that area? But, but Wolves have got a very rich owner, so they're, they can afford to make that gamble. Whereas, uh, as uh, Jack said, we would be risking the uh, the club. By, we spent loads and then got relegated, like we have done in the past. You then just got to ship players out, and it's not a good position to be in. Whereas now, theoretically, we're stronger. We should we stand a much better chance of going straight back up. And we are the, the absolute yo-yo side. We're the only team to be promoted into the Premiership from the uh, playoffs, second and first, and be relegated from the Premiership in last place, uh, 19th and 18th. And we've done that in something like the last 10 years. Oh, dear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I think it's, it's a good point about that ownership. You realise when, when you get into the Premier League, like in, in the grand scheme of things, Delia Smith is, uh, compared to you know the, the, the standard person, incredibly wealthy. But when you put them up against, the, you know... Um, even you know Sheffield United and stuff, they have so much more money than us, and 
it's just not sustainable. We've we've punched above our weight for the for the past decade, which sounds funny because you know we've been yo-yoing between the leagues. But there's some massive clubs in the championship that haven't been able to do that with with far bigger um, you know bank accounts. So um, if 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 Norwich are to sustain themselves in the Premier League going forwards, it's going to it's going to mean a new owner coming in and, and, and Delia Smith going, but then you sacrifice so much. I mean, there's such a, a good feeling around Norwich City, such a community feel. And, and you do worry if, if, you know, a big sort of, you know, business came in, do you lose that? So it depends what you want from your football club um, at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah. And also, you know, she sells up, who's going to get on the pitch and G up the fans at half time, <laughs> get them behind the team. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th- I think the kind of the, the wine um, industry has been booming in Norfolk ever since Delia arrived. So, uh, yeah, if she was to sell up, then I think the uh, the alcohol industry might um, might take a dip as well. So, speaking of, um, I guess, somewhat embarrassing moment for the club, why don't we why don't we get into your guys' uh, top? It's always us moments. Um, just before we started recording, uh, you gave us a little sneak peek and I, I'm really looking forward to hearing about some of these. Um, so I, I can't remember who, which one of you wants to go first. Was it you, Neil? Uh, yeah. Uh, so in 2013, 2014, we, uh, I, I don't know if it was, it's still a record fee, but we spent quite a lot of money on uh, Ricky Van Walswinkle, who, like, all reports were he was a good player. I went to the first game of the season. Um, he had one chance and he scored. And I remember thinking, this is brilliant. We've never had this before at Norwich. We've got a, a striker who only gets the one chance, but he, he puts it away. And then what happened is he didn't score again for the rest of the season. But crucially, what happened in the third home game, we got a penalty. Uh, uh, it was a nil-nil. We got a penalty. Uh, Ricky Rumble Swinkle picks up the ball. He's going to take the penalty. Robert Snodgrass comes over, takes the ball off him and misses the penalty. And Ricky Van Walsinkle doesn't score another goal. And I think... Had that not happened, had Ricky Van Walkenkel scored, I'm going to keep saying his really long name. Uh, had, he, <laughs> had he scored, we, we might be looking at a different uh, player. Because by the end of that season, his confidence was shot. He was getting subbed and walking straight into the changing room. Like, wasn't even sitting on the bench. It was quite painful to watch. I'd quite like... Because we spent so much money on him, I don't want to admit that we made a mistake. When I was like 16, I bought a, a mini-disc player when everyone else bought an iPod. And I, didn't, I still don't admit that I made that mistake. So I don't want to admit that we made a mistake by Ricky Van Walswinkel. It was, a, it was very expensive, but he was a good player and something went wrong. I love that. Van Walswinkel, the mini-disc players of, of strikers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mad one, that, isn't it? When your club invests in a big, in a big signing like that. Was, was he at Celtic? I want to say he was at Celtic. Has I got that right? Uh, Sporting Lisbon. Yeah. We'd sign him from, yeah. Oh, a similar kit. That's enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pookie came from... Of is, is um, Jan Venegur of Hesselink or something. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> Old school. Yeah, long names with, with Vs in them. So, yeah, that's showing my knowledge there. Well done, James. Um, but, yeah, when you bring these guys in, we've all been burnt with these players, right, Jamie? You know, I could reel off Soldado, Janssen. You could reel off mm. kinds of shite Arsenal players, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whatever you say. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to me how much confidence plays a part in those things. And I mean, how do you feel about Robert Snodgrass then? After like are you nearly, I mean, he was quite a good player for you, but is yeah. kind of bitter uh, about that. Yeah, because because of the whole mini disc thing. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I I think I think you've got you've got to score a penalty if you wrestle the ball. Like if you take the ball off another player, you have to be scoring that penalty. And I don't remember too much about it, but I think it was a poor penalty. It was, wasn't, wasn't scored. Um, and I think, and it's so key, your number nine should be taking your penalties, I think. Why do you think, why do you think Snodgrass stepped up and did what he did? Do you think you didn't trust uh, him? Yeah, and arguably, on paper, the better set-piece taker. He, he took three kicks and scored them, so probably would have been a good penalty taker. But So was this, was this, quite a scandal amongst the sort of the Norwich fan base then when this happened because it's it's interesting that you it's to me as an outsider it seems like a somewhat like you know these things happen but for, for both of you yeah it's innocuous is the word thanks Jamie it's been a long day no problem 
<laughs> um, so I'm here. Yeah, but you both you both highlighted this sort of independent of each other. So what is it about this that that just makes you think like this is a Norwich thing to happen? I'm I'm quite glad um, I'm quite glad Neil has mentioned it because when I was kind of scribbling thoughts down on a, on a bit of paper earlier, that was the first ones that came that came to my head, and I thought, oh, I'm being really unique here because it's <laughs> something quite niche. I think the thing was is Norwich City had really broke the bank for Ricky Van Walswink. We'd spent eight and a half million pounds. This was a man who'd been scoring goals regularly in, in the, you know, the top flight um, of European football, was doing really, really well. We'd signed him, scored on his debut against Everton, brilliant header. Um, and we're starting to think, oh my goodness, like we'd, we'd come into the Premier League and it was the first time we'd really started to spend money. And there was a real dream that maybe hadn't necessarily been sold by the club but fans were starting to feel that and and you get off to a really good start then as Neil said Van Wolfsburg went a couple of games without scoring then he gets another big chance and I think it was the second home game so it would have been his second goal in as many home games um, to win the game as well the score's nil-nil fairly late on in the game I think I I remember and um, the uh, I've heard kind of um, I think it was was it Chris Hutton? Yeah, it was Chris Hutton, the manager. And he'd said that he had set, um, put Van Wolfswinkel on penalties. And for whatever reason, Snodgrass felt he was the better man to take it, which is, is, is complete nonsense. And I think now, when you look back, that could have been a really pivotal moment, or at least it is in my head. And it's one of them what-if moments. Like, you know, we, we've all got them where that could have possibly, and it probably wouldn't, wouldn't have done, but it could have possibly changed the, the direction of, of Norwich City's future. Like I can remember very vividly writing a little blog on my old blog and saying Norwich City are going to finish in the Europa League um, positions this season. I think we're going to kick on and I think we're going to, you know, and I was a young, naive fan back then and, and maybe I wouldn't say that nowadays, but um, it just felt like the modern history of Norwich City changed around that that one moment against Aston Villa. Would you agree with that, Neil? Yeah, no, yeah. I think possibly this feels like a pivotal moment looking back on it now that we use this as a way of saying, oh, that that's why you turned rubbish? It was because of that moment. No, at the time it was probably fine. Like, I was going to say, guys, did you not get any other penalties that season? <laughs> was there no more chances for Ricky to redeem himself? Or did he just not shoot? Yeah, I think I think at that point he was just he 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 didn't score for the rest of the season. I think it had got to a point where he just was on such a barren run and in such poor form, the penalty taker would have then been you know Snodgrass or whoever else it was. So yeah, he never got the chance to to redeem himself. Sadly, and and I guess that that's another point. We you know who knows what could have you know Ricky Van Olsenkull could have been then because. He was on the radars of, of, I think, Manchester United at the time and Chelsea. And, and we felt like we'd got a real steal at eight and a half million pounds. And, and that one goal ended up being a, a very expensive goal. <laughs> <laughs> does, how does he rank in terms of the, actually, I won't say worst, let's say most disappointing. No, I'm going to say worst. Worst strikers uh, in, in Norwich City history since, since you guys supported the club. Is he up there? Yeah, I mean, but in, in terms of cost per goal, yeah, um, because of that, you have to put him quite high. Um, and then, but also, I'm trying to think of other strikers who have been bad. We had Johan Armanda, who I think actually did a job. It was just uh, under Chris Hewton, I don't think any striker came out well. I did two seasons of going to every away match under Chris Hewton where we turned up trying to defend the point. Um, that, that was the thing with Van Wolfswick, I think. He was playing under Chris Hewton and, and, and as Neil said there, you know, I, I had to sit through a lot of Chris Hewton football and he's good at maybe getting teams out of, of the Championship, but when it gets to the Premier League and on a limited budget, to be fair as well, um, he, he struggles and, and we'd signed Van Wolfswinkel from a sport, sporting Lisbon side that were playing this, you know, free-flowing football in a, in a division in which they dominated um and then he came to a Norwich City side where um there's been you know stories told where his you know Chris Hutton Norwich teams would go into the dressing room one nil down at half time and he would say right let's let's just make sure this doesn't go to two nil and you're like well you haven't got much of an opportunity then if you're a striker um you know to, to score goals so 
I think they're and, and Ricky's scoring goals for Basel now, so he's definitely a good striker. But it was it was poor recruitment more than um more than a necessarily a bad player. But you always see them top tens, don't you? Of the worst Premier League signings ever, and he's always on that list, mm. um, <laughs> which isn't a good thing. No, poor guy. Well, look, we'll we'll leave poor Ricky alone. Who knows? One day he might listen to this, so <laughs> we might at him on Twitter and see what he thinks. Um, so why don't we move on to your your guy's second one? Yeah, okay, I'll take this one. This I don't know if Neil had this as well, but I, I felt this is more um, recent in my memory. And thankfully, unlike the Ricky um, story that at the end of the season, that it, it was a happy ending. But it was in our promotion campaign under Daniel Farker, so 2018, 2019. And we had a game against Derby County, who were managed by Frank Lampard at the time. Very good side, got to the playoff final that season. And this was a real crunch fixture. Um, it was towards the end of the season. Um, both teams were in with a shout of the playoffs. We ended up going up as champion. Derby did get to the playoffs. But there was a, there was a risk in this game that I think whoever lost it um, may have fallen out of the playoffs and, and their promotion kind of run may have come to an end. Anyway... Skip to the game. Norwich are playing really well. We go 3-2 um, up. And it's about the 85th minute. It's a cold winter's um, evening. 85 minutes on the clock. And the floodlights go out. And they don't back on. Out with the flashlights on. Um, and and, and uh, the whole of Cow Road just descends into darkness. And we're thinking, oh, my goodness, like the game's going to have to be called off. I think it was a good 25 minutes before they then managed to get them back on. Um, anyway, the floodlights go back on. Norwich concede one, three, three. And it's about the, the 92nd minute at this point. And then we concede another one, four, three. And we go on to lose the game 4-3. And you, you, in, in that moment, when you're so caught up in the whole season, um, you know, I, it felt at the, that moment that our season had been derailed by some dodgy connections to the floodlights. And I just remember it being comical. We couldn't see each other within the, within the ground. It was utter darkness within Carrode. And, and thankfully now, you know, we can look back and laugh. But um, I'd, I'd hate to think what, what my thoughts would have been on, on, the, on the Norfolk electricians had our season kind of gone off right at that point, but it was just carnage. Like it was really odd. It's, it was, um, it was, a, it was a funny afternoon, but that one just kind of sparked into my memory because it was so random and uh, <laughs> it felt pivotal at the time. I do. I have, I got a recollection of that happening, I have to say, and you know, obviously as a neutral fan, it's stuff like that is what you live for, isn't it? It's bloody hilarious, but I can <laughs> I can imagine you guys must be fuming. But why are you at, at that game? And I, I think that you said you were. Neil, were you, were you at that game? Were you watching it? Uh, no. So I was, I was in Sheffield because it was over Christmas, I think. So I think it was yeah. just before New Year. So I was, I was like trying to follow it, listen to it on the radio and also following it on Twitter. Because I think, did three of the floodlights come back on, but one of them only slightly came back on? It was, yeah, like, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, because there, there were definitely pitches where it was like it looked fine, but they just had to not they had to not play for a long amount of time. Well, that, no, that's a good point. I'd completely forgotten about that. They they'd got they'd managed to get three of the floodlights back on, and it was clearly playable. Like it was light enough. But then all the defenders were coming out because there was some comical defending to um to then go on and lose the game. And you've got Tim Krul, our goalkeeper, going like, well, I couldn't see the ball. It was like, well, Tim, you could see the ball. It's light <laughs> enough. But um, they hadn't managed to get all the, all the floodlights back on. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I, I'd forgotten about that. I mean, is, is Norwich known for its power cuts or was this just... <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think that the stereotype of Norfolk is is that we're maybe slightly behind times. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're, we're past dial-up internet yet, but um, I, I think the floodlights are usually fairly solid. Thankfully, touch wood, um, they haven't they haven't cut out since. Um, I'm just curious as to what what was it that you think put the players off, and why were they so terrible when the lights came back on? <laughs> I think it was the the fact that. Um, it was really cold for one and, and they'd kind of been stood out there for sort of 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I think Farker, I, I think I recall him saying he wanted the game called off because it was a good wait before, um, before the lights came back on and Frank Lampard obviously just wanted to get the game done because at that point he thought it was game over anyway. So um, 
I, I just think it was a complete lack of concentration and just um, just the players being thrown. I mean, when you're in a rhythm of the game, the last thing you want is 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 for it to be disrupted. And and that like going on a tangent, I don't want to touch on it. VAR. That was my whole issue with VAR in in the Premier League. It just disrupts the flow of the game completely. Um, and 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 that was what it was. That's what it felt like with the floodlights. Yeah, I can, I can imagine almost your players coming out because what you say is about five minutes to go and sort of almost hoping Derby would be like, yeah, all right, you know, game's over. Let's just get this <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. No, what, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there was hope from... from um, I don't know what the official kind of FA rules are around it, but I think if you're a certain point or past a certain minute, you can maybe, as long as there is, there's agreement with managers, that you can kind of settle the result as it was. But, you know, Lampard clearly wasn't having any of that. Uh, Neil, you perform in, in, in front of people frequently. Yeah. Um, what would you do if the lights went out sort of halfway through your set? Uh, would you come back on and try and finish it or, or would that have sort of done you? Uh, it very much depends on how it was going. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm dying on my ass and the lights go out, I'm, I'm, not, I'm leaving the venue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if I'm, if I'm in comedic terms, three, two up, then I want to carry on. <laughs> <laughs> But I, lo- I love that I think that's um, when stuff like that happens it's just so random and then it just of course it's going to come and bite you in the ass because why wouldn't it right <laughs> so. um, I was going to say Derby on Twitter announced the man of the match just that floodlight <laughs> <laughs> as well I remember that I, to us, I, 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 I'm not a fan of Frank Lampard so just the thought of him benefiting from anything like that puts me uh, firmly in your guys corner I have to say <laughs> to say um cool um so third one uh so this one i've got isn't so it is norwich related because it's in in 2012 the second highest uh english goal scorer in the premier league was grant holt and he wasn't picked to be in the euro 2012 squad and i think it's about the only uh the closest thing to any sort of opinion i've got is that that is the worst mistake that anyone's ever made is, <laughs> is, is leaving Grant Holt. Just ever. There's a blanket thing of that's the worst mistake anybody's made ever. 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 Big shout, Neil. Big shout. Yeah. <laughs> what, what wonders do you think Grant Holt would have weaved in that England team? Why, why, were uh, we, why did we have a Grant Holt-shaped hole at the top of the pitch in that tournament? Uh, well, arguably, we picked Andy Carroll, so we didn't, but that, that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> But I, it's more that I just I just think you can't not pick someone who scored like 15 goals, scored against all the big teams in the Premier League, and then just not pick him. Um, I just really like Grant Holt. He was a nice person, and I really wanted him to play for England, and I'm just really annoyed at Roy Hodgson. I'm, just, I'm, I'm still really annoyed at Roy Hodgson. <laughs> there, there was a spell during that time. I, I don't know if it was... I think it was the, you know, a couple of years after, but John Ruddy got called up to the, to the England's, England side. And that had been our first kind of England call-up from a, a Norwich player in a while. And he broke his finger in, yeah. the, in the training camp before. But he was then, after that training camp, supposed to be getting married. Um, so he had to call the... I think he had to call the wedding off because of the injury... And then he didn't get into the England team either. So it was a complete calamity for, for John Ruddy. So that, that couple of years felt as if um, we were just, we were doomed with, uh, with international call-ups. Yeah, and I, I don't think he was playing for you at the time, but Dean Ashton was a fantastic player. I think he'd already gone to West Ham, right, by the time he, he had the career-ending injuries. Yeah. But he's another one linked to Norwich that, you know, could have been an England star, I guess, and, and wasn't. Well, he's throwing... Whole- I throw in Darren Huckabee as well. He's a pretty decent striker. Played for Norwich as well. Could have yeah, potentially played decent. for England. I mean, Dean Ashton. The Dean Ashton story is probably the worst, isn't it? Because his career was was essentially ended on a on an England training yeah. camp. And I think there's been, um, you know, big kind of payouts from from the FA through, through sort of lost earnings because of that. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Huckabee was another one where you know he was always on the on the on the on the verge of getting in, but. You, you do look at England setups over the years, don't you? And it's just packed with quality. And yet we just continue to un, under-deliver. Um, but yeah, that, that Halty one, quite right. I think he was behind, only behind Wayne Rooney and he was yeah. absolutely brilliant that season. Really, really impressive. And um, yeah, an absolute travesty that he, that he didn't get called up. 
it's that was that was still in the in the uh, time where we were just picking the we would always just pick the biggest names and then try and form a side out of it because it's like it was under Hodgson that we were playing Rooney in midfield rather than picking a decent midfielder because oh you've got to play Rooney oh, we can't possibly uh, pick someone who's actually supposed to play in centre mid no because Ro- Rooney's England through and through so you've got to pick Rooney like so's Bobby Charlton we're not picking him <laughs> um, it's I'm still really annoyed about it. Yeah, I can see. I can see in your face. Is you have a right to Grant Holt and just tell him how much? You... Oh, I've thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say just on a tangent that he's now like a professional wrestler or something. Is that right? Yeah. You what? Yeah. Do you not know this, James? That he's he's turned his back on uh, on football. Well, I think he's he might have retired, but yeah, he's like a pro wrestler these days. Just you know, beating seven seven shades of green out of people i guess yeah no that is correct that he, he um there was an event at carrow i think it was i don't know it was the summer before last where um yeah grant holt kind of made his his wrestling um appearance and, and seeing grant holt throw himself off, off the top rope um is quite the sight <laughs> I, can, I can assure you i love the surprise on your face like just just himself. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, just down the local sort of pub, like, just like small I mean, sort of UK pr- promotion, or yeah, it's not it's not WWE. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What's his wrestler name? Like Holt Hogan or something? I don't know. Nice, that's pretty good. <laughs> what was about, that, wasn't is, it? that is very good. The um the the, the story that how it started was quite funny actually. He got called up um one of the Radio Norfolk. Um, presenters Rob Butler is is really into his wrestling and, and there was a, a local lad from from Norfolk who, who'd become quite poorly and they were putting a wrestling night on for him and um, and Halty was at the time doing punditry for BT Sport and he'd been doing um, punditry up north I think it was Barrow or somewhere doing some non-league stuff and Rob called him and he was on the way home and he said to Grant like look can you come and can you come and wrestle this evening? We need to raise some money for this lad. And Grant's like, yeah, I'll do it. Like he's very charitable. And, um, and he got in the ring in the suit in which he was wearing to, to do the punditry. And everyone thought that that was kind of his, you know, wrestlers have kind of uh, outfits, don't they? And it's usually, it's quite tight lycra or whatever, but everyone thought that, oh, Holty's going for this kind of upmarket suit. Um, and actually the actual story was no he he literally just got out of the car and he just he just rocked up to raise some money so uh yeah i love the surprise on your face when you uh when you found out because it's a it's a very odd um turn of career yeah because i i remember hearing about there's a goalkeeper that that wrestles i can't remember his name like longest yeah is it jan sommer maybe or does he still play I can't remember. It's Leave just, it with me. I'll, I'll research it. Yeah, you go, go, Google that. But yeah, I remember a keeper. I didn't know Grant Holt. So I, every time I think of Grant Holt, so there's, there's, he's actually been on the show, Flav from the Fighting Cock. He calls him uh, Piggy Holt whenever he used to talk about him for me because he was a big lad. So it doesn't actually surprise me that he was a wrestler. Um, this is, we're going wild. Tim Weiss. Tim Weiss is the, uh, the German keeper. That was it. Who's now does like bodybuilding or something <laughs> in wrestling. But um, yeah, even though we've gone off on a tangent, I'm fascinated by this. So, so there's going to be a tag team match for the title and uh, you've got two of your most hated Ipswich players um, who are... Uh, well, uh, my, my biggest dislike is towards um, Luke Chambers because he's got this kind of disillusion that, that Ipswich are actually a half-decent club. Um, and the closest they've come to beating us in the past decade was when he scored a nine, 89th minute header and, and gave it large and then we conceded in, in the 95th minute. So I'd happily, I'd pay a lot, I tell you what, I'd pay a lot of money to watch Grant Holt beat up Luke Chambers in a, in a wrestling ring. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it organised, lads. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to ask who, who, you'd, who else you'd have from Norwich history to be his tag team partner. Who, who would be the, the best tag team partner for Grant Holt? Trying to think of other massive footballers that we've had. I tell you what, Brian Gunn and his current yeah. guys would um <laughs> that could be uh yeah, the, the big daddy of the wrestling ring, I'd say. Gunny, also, Gunny Brian, in it. Gunny Brian in the wrestling Gunn. ring. Brian Gunn sounds like a wrestler name as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Imagine him walking to the ring sort of showing, <laughs> showing the, the pistol. 
Yeah, man. Okay. Sorry, we went wildly off tangent there, but I love that. That's brilliant. So we started. So, so Neil's still angry that Grant Holt wasn't picked for England, but you know what's England's loss is is the world of wrestling's gain. Um, you know, so so really everything worked out in the end. Um, do you guys have any more you wanted to to, to bring up? I have to say this, it's probably some of the most random, but also most entertaining ones we've ever had on this show. I'm enjoying this. So if there's any more like that. Well, this is the thing I was, you know, when you kind of, you know, I've listened to a few of the episodes and I've heard, you know, the Leighton Orient fans going on, you know, they've been on the brink of extinction for what seems like their whole kind of lifetime. And then I, t- I looked at my list and it was like, oh, missed penalty. And, um, and, and the time Grant Holt didn't get called up to the, to the England squad, it felt quite petty. The thing with Norwich is, is although it's topsy-turvy, um, I feel as if we're, we're, we're quite stable, at least over the past decade. The one I'd um, written down, though, was it, it reminded me quite vividly of the evening. It was when David McNally, our former chief executive, um, des- decided to resign over Twitter. It was an amazing moment. Um, basically, we were on quite a losing streak and, and we were kind of on the verge of relegation. And, and there'd been a bit of... Um, bad blood with Norwich fans and David McNally because he'd he'd taken his bonus despite getting relegated and it was quite a sizable amount. Anyway, after a game, um, a Norwich fan and quite a young Norwich fan tweeted David and said, come on, mate, when are you going to resign? And he quote tweeted it and put right now. And, and that was it. I think everyone thought it was a joke. But it wasn't. And our, and our long-standing chief executive resigned after a, a 13-year-old Norwich fan and had, had given him a bit of stick on Twitter. And I think, um, I think he was maybe under the influence of, of, of some beverages that evening. But even so, it was quite the way to, uh, to go out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, just some people just can't hack it, can they? Just can't take a bit <laughs> yeah. of stick. I just love the thought of it, though. Like, imagine, you know, um, Daniel Levy, you know, r- resigning after, I don't know, like, Killer Kane on Twitter tweets him and says, you know, where, where's the money, Levy? You just can't imagine it. But <laughs> I think if I would, if I, you know, football Twitter is quite a toxic place. And the thought of just giving up your job over over a tweet is actually quite amusing, I think. So, um, yeah, all uh, all props to, <laughs> to David McNally. I, I, I like to kind of, picture him sort of sending that tweet throwing his Norwich company phone in the river and just sort of driving <laughs> off into the sunset to live on a ranch somewhere but uh, did, yeah was that I'll have to look this up and if we find anything we'll, we'll post some links but did, did someone find that kid and like has he been interviewed about how we how we uh, I'm, no, I think he I think he um I think he was actually I, I believe his name was 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 Robson and um I'm sure there's like a a dramatic shot of him in the Eastern Daily Press you know holding his phone <laughs> and uh, a reconstruction of the evening in which he got um our CEO to resign but um yeah quite an impressive feat I mean if I was a you know a young child who'd, who'd got a uh, you know a well-known man to resign I think that's going straight on my LinkedIn profile if anything mm. <laughs> that's uh I mean that's quite I mean it is no offense, but it makes it seem a bit timpot, really, doesn't it? When that sort of thing happens, to you? I'd be more. Daniel Levy, he he divides opinion, and on the Arsenal side, of you, Jamie, you've got what Gazidis and Kroenke and all that, and no, not Gazidis anymore. We've got uh, Edu, is our main man. He is, isn't he? But you're exactly. the old Arsenal fan TV with their Kroenke out and Gazidis. That's out. true. Yeah, Kroenke is a bit of a wanker. You know, it took the full power of those guys and they still wouldn't go. And all they needed to find was a, a 13-year-old kid with a, with a phone and a dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, uh, I like that one. I like that one. So if there's someone that you guys could, could have got to resign from Norwich history just by sending them a tweet, just get them out of the team, get them out of the manager position. No, Neil, I, throw, I put you on the spot here. Uh, Glenn Roder about two seasons before he actually left um, he destroyed her came in sold, uh, like just releasing players on a free and I want to say, he spent so much money on loan fees I don't think he bought a single player we were just loaning players and then pretty soon in League One so I'd get rid of him a couple of seasons beforehand there was, he was also incredibly arrogant as well because wasn't there a, I think it was like a, a 
AGM or something where someone asked him a question and he, he said to a fan, oh, I don't remember your tenure as an England manager. <laughs> I don't remember his wow. tenure as an England manager either, to be <laughs> That's, uh Glenn Roder is probably one of the most universally hated people like, across former Norwich players as well. I mean, we've, on, on, our, on Talk Norwich City, um, our channel, we've spoken to a few of the players who, who worked under Glenn Roder and we spoke to Matty Patterson, who was a former player, um, last week and he said if he got a chance um, if he met Glenn Roder now he would happily punch him um, wow. there, there was genuine hatred towards towards Glenn Roder so yeah that's a, that's a good pick I think Did he really manage England? No England No, no. That's, no. Definitely not James No I was thinking You're thinking of Glenn Hoddle I am. Different Glenn <laughs> What was that what was that comment about then? He was just being asked with a fan who was criticising his thing. He was just saying, "Well, I, he was basically just saying, well, 'Well, I'm the, I'm, a, I'm actually a manager. You're not.' Which you know, like loads of these things are just evidence that Norwich have had people who are just incredibly immature. Who were just, oh, well, if you're going to tweet me, I will resign. Well, I am really pissed, <laughs> and we are we have just thrown away a two 0 lead. So I'm going to go on the pitch and say, where are you? Well, that that I really like. <laughs> Like, I don't because people say that's an embarrassing thing. I think it's brilliant that Delia did that. I'd really like other other owners to really care that much that they got pissed <laughs> and went on the pitch and told people to sing a bit more. Yeah, it's better. It's better than yeah tweeting somebody. You know, you guy, you know, Delia tweeting that the fans need to sing more. You know, she was leading them in a rousing rendition. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that. As, as silly as and funny as that was, I also love that, and I feel. I, I, I feel her pain because sometimes you are in a stadium and your fans are being just, you know, they need to back the team and they're either being too quiet or they're, they're you know, on the other scale, they're, they're moaning and you almost want someone to kind of actually confront that. It's usually afterwards in the press conference, the manager will come out and say, oh, the fans weren't there for us. But I'd love little Levy to run on the pitch and, you know, tell us to, to back our ideas up and then probably go... No, he'd be annoyed now because if he was, we wouldn't be. If he was on the pitch, we wouldn't be in in the concourse of spending loads of money on on, on six pound pints and stuff. So, yeah, but you've got the cool pints that fill from the bottom, Mark, haven't you? So it's completely worth the the money. Yeah, you'll never sing that. <laughs> you'll never sing that. <laughs> I wonder if that kid. Uh, where is it? How old would he be now? This thirteen-year-old kid wasn't that long ago, was it? Um, probably like when was that? Probably like nearing twenty. 20 maybe all right so because hopefully you know when we tweet this out it might reach the sort of norwich fan sphere so if you are that kid and you're listening to this can you please tweet us and we'll get you on the show just we'll do like a little <laughs> bonus episode because i want to i want to talk to you about that and how you felt uh, about getting your uh, your chief exec out i'd love to know if there's like more you know you, you talk to a lot of fans on on this podcast but if there's more fans who have managed to get like single-handedly managed to get a manager or a chief executive sacked. I think that's that's a strand that I'd be willing to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, you need an airplane at least with a banner on it or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, any any other kind of mo- again another fantastically random but very entertaining moment. But uh, any uh, anything else you guys wanted to wanted to share? Oh, I, went to, I went to an away match in 2013 at Arsenal when we went 1-0 up. Uh, I scored in like the 60th minute and like 85 minutes we're still winning 1-0. It's, uh, it's like a five-hour train ride from Newcastle to London where I live. So I'd, I'd done that on the way down. I was at the game, we're 85 minutes in, we're 1-0 up. And there's an incident in the box. So the referee is 10 yards away from, doesn't give a penalty. The linesman, the other side, like other side of the pitch, behind a load of players, sees, uh, sees what he thinks is a penalty, awards a penalty. Uh, Arsenal score and go on to win either 3 or 4-1. But that is like a pivotal moment, really. And, and then just wrote my train the rest of my day. It wrote the rest of my day because I've then got a five-hour train ride back up and all I'm thinking about is how... How? Why can a linesman say a penalty that the referee is closer to can't? Yeah, well, that's Arsenal for you. I strongly disagree. Is this the game where we scored the amazing? Uh, where Jack Wilshaw scored that really amazing goal that was totally really amazing and awesome? Is that no, the one? I don't think. It, no, I think that's a different one because that was against yeah, Norwich old, as well. Yeah, and there's the other one against Norwich where Giroud scored the scorpion kick. Do you remember that, guys? That was really good. 
I remember the I remember the Wilshire one. Yeah. Um, there seemed Uppen, to be. A, a, oh no, sorry, forgive me. The Scorpion kick was against Palace. I do apologise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there seemed that. to be a, a stretch of games in which we just concede won the goals like every single week. I yeah. remember when Luis Suarez was just yeah, well, yeah. he scored like a hat trick every time he played us, but like from the halfway line and half volleys from forty yards, and it was like I'm done with the Premier League. Gets gets back in in, in the safety <laughs> net of the Championship. <laughs> Yeah, I, remember, yeah. I, I think Bale scored a couple of worldies against yeah. as well, like yeah. ran the full length of the pitch or something. Yeah, yeah, much better than that tap in by Wilshire, I must say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you would say that. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would. I have, and I can. So there mm. you go. yeah, I'm just I'm just watching it back, Neil. I've just found some highlights <laughs> on YouTube of the game. Yeah, yeah very very dodge. There, and yeah. we should have had a penalty as, as well, to be fair. I, I don't remember that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. I mean, yeah. Jack, you, you mentioned earlier you hate VAR, but if VAR was around, you might have got that penalty. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because this season, if VAR was in the championship, we've certainly got a couple more, a few dodgy decisions for just... I, I don't think it's as bad as when you're when you're watching games on the television because you know what's going on and you can see the decisions. But... You know, where I sit at Carrow Road, I, I don't have visibility of a screen where, you know, the VAR decisions are going on. So you could be standing there for two, three minutes of time um, and just not having a clue what's going on. The worst decision of them all came against your boy Spurs um, last season when we could have gone 2-0 up. It was a brilliant goal from Timu Puki and he, and he got was allegedly offside. I mean, I've watched it back millions of times and it still looks onside to me. I just think that... For a, for a viewing experience, it just completely ruins it. I think football is already, you know, getting to a stage where it's the stop, start, stop, start with petty fouls and the addition of VAR just, it really doesn't do it for me. And to be fair, the games, you know, I watch on the, on the television where it's being explained and you can see, you know, what's going on with the decision-making. It, it's, it's bearable, but it's, it's not... Um, I'd, you know, I'd rather have something to debate where it's a, it's human error um, rather than rather than a machine destroying your experience. It's also football. The best bit in football is the immediacy of football. A goal goes in, you see the linesman's flags down, then you can celebrate instantly. And VAR is killing that. Now a goal goes in and you're still waiting. You're waiting to see if that counts as a goal. And Because it, it happened in like the Crystal Palace game after the Spurs game where Norwich scored and there was like no celebration and then a bit of a celebration because they're going, is that, is that a goal? And then I uh, then think Crystal Palace scored later on because of AR and there's like a massive gap in between the goal and the actual celebration. And that's the best bit about football is seeing someone who you're sporting scoring goal and the immediacy of that moment. And VAR is killing that. And that's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's better for like watching football on TV, but, I think that's because that's the way that people do do things now. Is it's all geared towards it's oh it's loads of money in this and it's all about um, Sky Sports and things about it's forgetting that actually the the best bit about football is the life experience and it's killing that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's also you know in terms mm. of this podcast and you know we obviously <laughs> I thought the VAR would maybe put an end to some of these things that our guests bring up, um, you know referee decisions against them and this that and the other. But actually, almost. They feel worse now, don't they? Because you can see the injustice played out in front of your mind and you're thinking, how is that handball? How is that offside? Yeah. Why, have they, why are they looking at the same image I'm looking at a thousand times and deciding that's not a goal? So uh, in some ways, it's actually it's, it's worse because you can't just say, oh, well, you know, the referee got it wrong. He'll get, it, he'll get the rest right, isn't it? No, Neil spot on there as well about the, the kind of... When you score a goal and then you're you're worried to celebrate because mm. you know you you it might get chalked off for a handball thirty seconds before the the goal went in or or an offside because you know the hairs on your arms are are offside it, it it's really poor and there were points when when we scored goals um, you know Neil mentioned that Palace game I remember that vividly where you score and you wait five seconds just to check and then you kind of have this muted celebration afterwards and. I'm not paying my money for that experience. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there to, you know, kind of lose your head for that, that, um, that kind of 20 seconds of, of, of pure joy. And, uh, and sadly, that, that wasn't there. So, his, his, so there's no VAR in the championship still, is there? No. 
Okay, so I put this to you then. So I can offer you. Let's let's pretend we can still go to live football matches, <laughs> but you know you can either I'll give you I'll give you promotion to the Premier League next season now, and everything that VAR brings with it, or you get to carry on enjoying football the pure way next season, playing well in the Championship. What do you with take? Ricky Van Wolfswinkel up front? Hanging <laughs> them in on penalty juicy. Oh man, it's um. The thing, the thing with being a yo-yo club is, is the dream is to always get to the Premier League, and then you get to the Premier League and realise it's not actually what you know what it's sold to be, especially for for a club the size of Norwich, where you're not winning games on a regular basis, and you know you support Arsenal and Tottenham, so you've got dreams of European football or or you know maybe in, in future seasons title winning campaigns, but for Norwich the the sole aim is to survive. And that gets really dull and saddening when, when, you're, when your sole aim each week is to pick up a point away at Burnley and, and you're one step closer to 40 points. It becomes a real slog. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd never turn down promotion to the Premier League. I, I don't, a true fan if, if I said that. But I think in terms of from a, a pure enjoyment perspective, I'd take the championship every day of the week, 100%. because, uh, like, beating Man City is good. Like, it's really good. And it's really enjoyable, but so is like beating Rotherham, and we're much more likely to beat Rotherham. Yeah, it's not as good, but but it's they happen more often, and like watching a team scrape seventeenth is such a dull season. No, hundred percent, and it's like I, I know we're not going to live games at the moment, and there's a there's a slight. I, I really enjoy, especially like northern away days in the championship where, um, you know, you get to like Rotherham was mentioned there. It's a great away day and, and there's some really kind of hearty away days up, up, up there. You get to the Premier League and it's a, you know, it's a struggle for tickets because you, you've suddenly got fans who are wanting to see the Emirates for the first time. And it, the, the whole experience of going to football changes. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think you know, Norwich being in the Premier League probably attracts, you know, younger fans and, and that's good. We need, you know, fans to, you know, to start supporting us. But um, there's certainly a, a different clientele that follow Norwich in the Premier League and um, for good or bad, it, it does change the experience. So look, guys, we're, um, we're, we're going to, we're running out of time basically. But I think I'm trying to, normally we sort of sum up, we, we try and mm. find a common thread between all of these, but they've, they've been, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, to, I, I almost, if, if it needs to be a like, random thread, James, a random thread. Yeah, random, <laughs> they were all to do with Norwich City. Um, <laughs> Good. I think That's I, why you're the host of the show, James. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I've gathered is actually from your guys' perspective, and maybe you're, you're both just very cheery, positive people, but actually, you know, while stuff happens on the pitch, uh, and off the pitch sometimes it's annoying you guys are just sort of you just love your club and you, you know Norwich is a great club to support and everyone is sort of happy on, on the journey where it should, whichever way it takes you I don't know that sounds really condescending or not coming from like, <laughs> a fan of a top six Premier League mm. but uh, am I right there or am I just uh, am I reading the room completely wrong no I'd say that's about right because there's been like three seasons in like the past 15 or something that we've not been playing for like either promotion or staying in, in the Premier League. Been a couple where we finished mid-table in the Championship. Other than that, it's been promotion or relegation. So they're all sort of entertaining seasons. And yeah, there has been the odd thing that's changed stuff. But because it's been so up and down, you get over it. We lost 7-1 against Colchester. We won the league. That sort of thing happens. Yeah, I think my kind of, I don't know what it's like for, for you boys, but, you know, my the reason I support Norwich City isn't necessarily because of what goes on on the pitch. It's, you know, it's, it's an excuse to see my mates on a Saturday, although that's not happening now. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a distraction for 90 minutes on a Saturday. So, and, and the, th the thing is with Norwich City as well, we, we might be slightly different. We, we kind of just bumble our way through um, seasons and, and, and nothing, thankfully, in the last... Um, decade 15 years has gone drastically wrong um you know that most clubs you know there are either you know m might be li liquidation on the horizon or constant managerial changes or an owner that's absolutely off his head we just haven't had that and um 
but thankfully it hasn't been boring because of the promotions and relegation. So um, I'm glad we, we've come across as cheery because that, that's the impression. <laughs> that's the impression. I hope. Um, I hope Nor- I think the most neutral's perspective of Norwich City is they're just quite. They're just not very offensive. Like it's hard to hate Norwich. I hope it's that way anyway. Yeah, it's it's difficult to dislike a, a team that Stephen Fry supports. You know, <laughs> that's, very, that's very true. Cool, well, guys. Um, All right, then, boys. Before, yeah, before before we go, just let you guys um, just throw out your socials and anything you want to plug before we go. Our listeners can find you. Uh, sorry, where our listeners can check you out. Yeah, so uh, I'm. If you want to follow me personally, I'm Jack Reeve TNC on Twitter, or um, the the podcast and YouTube channel I run is Talk Norwich City. Uh, and I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, Neil Down Stand Up. So it's Neil as in my like the name, and then Stand Up. I hate it. I've picked it years ago, but I'm stuck with it now. Um, and yeah, I was supposed to be doing the Edinburgh Fringe this year, and hopefully I'll do it next year if it happens. It's Always Us is hosted and produced by James Regal and Jamie McDonald. This funky theme music was written and performed by Morrison Marr, aka Moss Tones, on SoundCloud. If you've got any comments for the show or just want to share the pain supporting your team, you can find us on Twitter at It's Always Us Pod or email us at It's Always Us Pod at gmail.com. And of course, please support us by subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a rating and review. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.